Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We thank you, O God, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you that we weren't looking for you, but you came looking for us. Give you thanks, Lord, that in the midst of our rebellion and sin and sinful nature, being drawn to things that are contrary to you, even while we were just yet trespassers and sinners and outside of your boundaries, you loved us and you sent your son to die on the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he knew that there would be a day that we would come to Christ and we would need the provisions of that cross. Likewise, let us be the men who walk ahead of this generation, paying the price while they are still not here, but they will come. And when they come, there will be uh, the preparations of men who have walked in the fear of God, who have sacrificed, who have gone according to your plan, ahead of the rest, leading our families, leading our cities, leading the nations of the earth to the house of God. Bless your word. Prosper it in our hearts. Make it alive. Like it says in Hebrews 4.12, that your word is powerful. It's alive. It's sharper than two, any two-edged sword, penetrating the depth of who we are surgically removing those things that do not please you, exposing things that are deeply hidden in our heart, that are darkness, rebellion, disobedience. So there might be a hope of us becoming wise, that we might leave a clear model and roadmap for our children and our sons of what it is to be a successful, prosperous man. Like it says in Joshua 1.8, if we fear not, and we meditate and do everything that's written in this book, we, will sh we shall surely have great success. We shall surely prosper, prosper in all our ways. Remove unbelief and deceit from our hearts that we might know you and serve you fully and accurately and that your blessing might be in our storehouses, our homes, our businesses, and prosper all the works of our hands as your word becomes, O oh God, the seed planted which causes a flourishing harvest that glorifies your name upon the earth. Bless your word and let it not return void. Let it perform that which is sent out to do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We were talking about how man has, has really lost his way in Exodus chapter 3 verse 13 when God shows up in the life of Moses and he says, Moses, this is the game plan that I have for you you shall, then Moses said to God, okay, I understand what your plan is. I understand the calling you've placed on my life. But when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your forefathers has sent me to you. And they ask me and say, what is his name? What is his name? Who do we call upon? Who do we acknowledge that is behind this message? What shall I say to them? And so this disconnect is what we talked about last week, which was a horrendous week. If you weren't here last week, you could get a copy of that. But it was really a powerful week as we uh, discussed the topic of abandonment. And as I shared last week, I saw many sorrowful countenances 
of men and women who have abandoned and have been abandoned, and it's a horrific reality and experience, something God never intended man to experience. But men have fleed. They have forsaken God. They have run from His presence. We talked about that on Wednesday night. You should get a copy of that message also. World-changing presence. And here man is asking God, who are you? What is your name? What will I tell people that I'm even doing? And so we are to know that this whole aspect um, of the sinful nature and satanic character of abandonment, God is all the opposite. We talked about omnipresence. But greater than, than this reality of his presence is the why. Why is it God wants us to be involved with him? It's because he wants to tell a story. And we've called this message world-changing legacy. That when you're abandoning God, when God is no longer present in your life, the story's not being told. And if there's something that God wants to tell, it's his story. And we are the conduits of telling the story of God. And we're fascinated by, by seeing the life stories. I don't know about you, I love the bio, biography channel. I love to see the story of people's lives. But how horrendous they all end when Christ is not involved. And so we were all created, just in case you've been so disconnected like Moses and you don't even know who you are or who God is or where you're going or who you're to speak to people, I want to tell you, you were created with emphatic desire from God. Every last one of you that has come into existence, the message of God is that you are immensely important. The story that abandonment tells is that you're of no value, you're not worth keeping, you're not worth fighting for. Any inconvenience erases you from the map. This is not God's message to you. God will go to hell, and he did, and back to rescue you for his purpose. He will do anything it takes to make sure that you, you as a son of God fulfill the story of a prince. You as a daughter of God not be deceived into destruction. And so redemption is that re, re, calling back from abandonment. Redemption is the restoring, it's the purchasing back. The book of Hosea speaks of a man, uh, a, a prophet. God says, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. And he's like, God, please, no. Yes, I want you to marry a prostitute. And every time she goes to be with her lovers, I want you to go and pay the price and purchase her back. And he didn't do it once, he didn't do it twice, he did it every time she left. And people say, well, well, that's pretty bad, man. You know, we don't hang out with people. Listen to me, you are the prostitute. You are the unfaithful. You are the one that goes to try to get greater increase from people who do not value you. And you forsake the one you belong to. The one you need to be faithful to. That's the story. The story is that they have all sinned. Romans 3.23, that's the message. There's not one of you that cannot be identified with unfaithfulness, with having abandoned God. It says, all have sinned, and therefore the glory of God is not seen. And I want you to remember that word sin, because we're going to talk about it today. That is the issue. And that needs to be of utmost importance in your life. Sin cannot come into your life undetected. Sin cannot come into your life disguised. Many of you see sin and say, oh, I'll just bring him in for a season. 
But sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will take you further than you want to go. And you will pay a greater price than you'll ever be willing to pay. Because you have allowed sin in some form to show up in your life. And so the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4 verse 7, you have to be careful of sin because its desire is to master you. If you do not do what is right, you will not feel accepted. And that is the travesty of our day. Dad, I want to be a drug addict and I want you to call me a good son. That is the travesty of our day. Um, um, I forgot his first name, but it's uh, Ted. Ted Bundy, a, a serial murderer, having killed more than 40 women, raping them. And his mom is sitting there being interviewed saying, my son is a good son. That's a mixed message. And too many preachers are going around telling Christians they are good sons. Listen, you are not a good son unless you're an obedient son. And the hallmark of obedience is faithfulness. And you do not want to go about as a serial trespasser, violating, trampling, pushing down the boundaries of God and saying, I'm a Christian. No, you're not. You're not a Christian. A Christian is like Christ. Not my will, thine be done. Me and my Father are one. I only do that which the Father says. If you can't live like that, you're aspiring one day to be a Christian, but you still are not. If that is not your passion, if sin still has its pleasure in you, it says, if you do well, won't you be accepted? And if you do not do well, then sin is at the door, very close by. And its desire is to master you. Its desire is to master you, but you, let's put it back up there, Genesis 4, 7. You shall master it. You shall tell sin, no, I'm not going to do what's wrong. I'm not going to go where I'm not supposed to go. I'm not going to say what I'm not going to. Listen, I'm a pastor. I've been living for the Lord for a long time and teaching people. And to this day, every conversation has to be, don't say that, Joaquin. That's not going to be something favorable. That's not going to lead you. Don't, don't. It's just a, it's a constant moment by moment decision. Are you going to have sin to have its way? Or are you going to have the spirit to have its way? The presence of God. And so mastering sin is, is a total, a total a development of character. Or you're saying, I'm not going to do um, the, the old Indian folklore story. A son comes up to a father and says, Father, uh, in, in what, what happens in a battle between two dogs? Who's going to, if they're both, if they're both going to fight, who's going to be the strongest? And the dad says, the dog you feed, the dog you nourish, the, the dog that you groom, that's going to be the champion. And if you're not grooming a life over sin and rebellion and disobedience, don't expect it to be there on the day of battle. Josh McDowell says when a young person is going out, he should decide way before the day of battle whether he's going to have sex or not. You don't decide the night of. You decide way before, I will not have sex until I get married. That's my decision. And I'm not, I'm not going to wait to the moment that I'm there to sit there and compromise and give up that which is precious. 
And so we need to prepare to overcome sin. We need to prepare to overcome that which wants to master us. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1. Jesus, uh, God sends this message. But now says the Lord God who created you. Get over the fact that you don't belong to yourself, my friend. You do not belong to yourself. And only conceit and pride would say, I do whatever I want. I can't believe all these people going out to get tattoos. They're putting graffiti on what belongs to God. They're putting, they're, they're doodling on their bodies. They have no fear of God. They don't even know, like Moses, they don't even know there is a God. They don't know that their bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That God has prepared for them a body. Not to run down and abandon. Not to ruin. Not to write whatever you want. I, I tell young people all the time, I'm going to get two spray cans and go into your room and do whatever I want. I'm going to go size up your room the way I think it should happen. It's not mine. I can't do that. Well, your body's not yours, and you cannot do that either. We have preachers in our land. Joyce Myers was talking last week about getting a tattoo. Isn't that disgusting? We're compromising so bad. You know why? Because the people are compromising. And people will have leaders according to their heart. Obama's in office now, not because of God's ordained order but because he will give the people the leader after their own heart. You want homosexuality? I'll give you a president that says, we shall fight for gay people. And they're not fighting for the church. They're not fighting for the Bible. They're not fighting for truth. They're not fighting for women. They're throwing women under the bus. And so we, the church of God, need to arise, not representing a staunch position of a Republican conservative party or of a liberal Democratic party. We said last week, it's not about a, an elephant, the GOP, or a donkey, the Democratic party. It's about the Lamb of God. He stands strong. We don't take sides. We stand for Christ. What we're talking about today is not my preference. I had to lay down my preference. You don't even want to know what my preference was. When I told God, God, I can't live like you want me to live. That's impossible. And God says, what's impossible for man is possible for me. I will cleanse you. I will transform you. I will renew your thoughts. I will make you a prince amongst my people. I think different today. I speak different today. I live different today. And he's taught me. And he's willing to teach us all. He says, I, the Lord, have created you, O Jacob. And he who formed you, O Israel. He who knows your inner makings. Fear not. Get fear out of your life. That is why none of us go forward with God's plan. We're scared. We fear. What does this mean? I was terrified. God says, I have a plan for you. I was like, yeah, I'm going to become a monk. I'm going to have to crawl in some cave and, and disappear. No. That's our misconceptions. You're going to make me marry some really ugly woman. No. That wasn't his plan. God had a glorious plan. And it says, he who formed you, fear not, for I am calling you back. Yeah. The abandonment story is a reality in everyone's life. You could spend the rest of your life talking about how you were molested and pestered when you were two. Or you can talk how you were loved and accepted and renewed and redeemed in the purpose of God. I like that story better. I like the story of a new beginning better than I do of old, twisted, perverted realities that happened in my life. 
I, I, listen to me. The stories of God are so glorious and powerful. I don't have time to tell you about my bad stories. I'm, I'm focusing on the good. I'm focusing on the, on the plan of God. He says, I've redeemed you. Why would God do that? I'll tell you why. Because he has a calling. Tell your neighbor, you have a calling, my friend. You have a calling. And that calling, they used to call it vocation. The Latin word for summons. Armando! You have a calling. Brian! David! Jose! Nicholas! Michael! Robert! Mauricio! George! That's called the calling. That's called vocation. And you know why you could hear that? Because you're in a room prepared and made room for that calling to be heard. God has called you. And you say, well, I haven't heard it. Listen to me. You're so tuned out. You don't even hear your wife. And you've been married to her for 40 years. You're tuned out. We need to tune in. I have called you by your name. He's made it personal. You're not one amongst many. But look what all my friends do. You're not your friends, my friend. You have one that is closer than a brother. You have a real friend. And God called Abraham a friend. Because he pursued the calling of God. You cannot walk in your own mindset. You are called. I've called you by your name. You belong to me. I didn't get a Valentine's card this year. I'm going to cry. Listen to me. You weren't getting one because you didn't hear this. You are mine, says the Lord. You are mine. You don't belong to anybody but to me. And so we don't feel the embrace of God. We don't feel the love of God. We're going around like orphans. What's an orphan do? He runs up to people he doesn't know to call him dad. Because he has no dad. She goes around running around looking for a heritage outside the home, a prodigal son. And God is saying, you're mine. Are you insane? Have I not made provision for you? Don't I have a plan for you? Didn't I form you from your mother's womb, cell by cell? Listen to me. There's nothing more glorious than seeing a woman who's pregnant just rubbing her belly, thinking about the formation of what's in that womb. Feeling every burp, every gas, every kick. She loves it all. And God says, listen, that's me forming you in your mother's womb. I put you there. I created you. You're mine. You would have never, never been able to come into existence without me. And so God tells him in verse 2, even when you pass through difficult times, I will be with you. And you go through deep waters, I will be with you. And through rivers, they shall not overflow you. You shall walk through fire and you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. There's nothing, no hell, no high water that's going to separate you from my call in your life. And this is the heart of God. This is the message he's bringing to his people. Verse 3, for I am the Lord your God. I am Holy One, the God of Israel, your Savior. I will give the whole earth as a ransom in your place. Whatever it takes. I want to tell you something. This is not just words in a book. It has been historically proved that a man named Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. And he says, truly this was the Son of God. And he was there paying the price for you. 
Surely he would give nations, Ethiopia, countries, wealth, all it takes to capture you back so that, listen to me, so that you can rewrite, erase, and reprogram that you are accepted in him. You're not abandoned. You're not forsaken. You're not without value and without worth. And I want to tell you something why I serve Jesus Christ today. Because he's the only one that I've ever seen that has never forsaken me. He's the only one that embraces me. He's the only one that's there. And because that's true, I will serve him faithfully. I don't care if anyone else does not. My motivation is not a ministry. It's not people. It's a devotion to the faithfulness of God's love. Because he loved us, we're faithful to him. I love what happened in, in a, a discussion and conversation. Well, why does your pastor say that? Listen to me. It's not my pastor. It's God. It's the word of God. We're not listening to my top ten favorite hits this morning. This is God. He's speaking to not your neighbor, to you. He's paid the price for you. He has a plan for you. He knows your name. He knows the future. He's planned for you. A favorite verse of all times is Jeremiah 29, 11. Christians quote it everywhere, but they do not live it. I know the plans I have for you, the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, and peace is not without righteousness. You can't do wrong and expect peace. Are you insane? You cannot. Peace comes from doing what's right. The most satisfied people in the world are th people that have done things right. They get a right return. They get right to come back. They sowed right, they reap right. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Some of you guys, your life is going to become a living nightmare. A hellish torment of demons in hell. Because of one reason. Your thoughts weren't into the thoughts of God. Your ways were far from His ways. And I, I hope that you're able to get at least five. Listen, this is very hard. Get at least five people that you know are serious with God. Go into a room and tell them, tell me if I'm doing right. Speak into my life. Even if I get mad and I get angry and I pull all my hair out, tell me if I'm right. Because I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be messed up. Not of evil, but to give you a future. God is thinking ahead of time. We talked about that in World Changing Laughter. We're not laughing now because we don't want to cry later. We're crying now. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. They shall find comfort. To give you a future and a hope. Proverbs 5 verse 7. The contrary complexion of those who have decided to forego. Hear me now, my children. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Verse 8. Remove your way from the doorsteps. Do not go near to the house of the wicked woman. Verse 9. Lest you give honor to others and your years to the cruel one, dedicating all bad things to the devil. And here it goes, verse 4. Let's go to Isaiah 43, 4. And when we'll, we'll see God's motivation, why he would give ransom, why he would redeem us, why he will save us from destruction. Because you were precious in my sight. Because you were precious to the Lord. He's not going to abandon you. He's, he's, he has a detailed description, illustration, everything. Some of you guys, listen to me. I cry when you don't show up at church. Listen to what I'm telling you. I cry. You want to know why I cry? Because God has served a table for you and you don't show up. God has served a table for you.
and you don't come and show up. So I hear him talking, and I hear him say, well, you know something, in this situation, this is what I have, and you're not here. And it's, it's detailed description of your life, and you're missing. Every week we have a conversation on the telephone uh, on Wednesday afternoons at 2.30. Our pastor, G.F. Watkins, out of Houston, Texas, he has like 25 guys, and we all call at the same time on Wednesdays, and we have a conference call. And we all sit there and listen to a spiritual leader talk to us about the things that concern what we're doing. How foolish would it be not to show up to that conversation? It served for me to be prosperous and fruitful in that which concerns my responsibility. How could I not show up to that phone call? How is it that you can see that there's a day specifically where, you know, last week we talked about the world-changing abandonment. That was Sunday morning, right? And then Wednesday night, God was so precious to us. God wanted to talk to us a little bit closer about what he had talked about on Sunday. He wanted to take those willing to go a little bit deeper in their relationship, a little bit closer to his plan for us, and he wanted to speak to us in amazing manner. And he gave us such a precious word, and we don't show up. We I had something to do, Pastor, what? I had to watch another episode of ESPN Sports. I've seen it 15 times, but I just wanted to get one more time. And it's foolishness, my people. It's foolishness that we have put other priorities on things that don't give us a return like God wants to give us. He says, because you were precious in my sight, and I have, you have been honored, and I have loved you, therefore I will give men over for your life and people in return for you. Verse 7, he says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I form and I have made. Everyone who is called by my name, everyone who's created for my glory, everyone who has been formed, yes, I've made him. So now I want to ask you a question. Are you hearing the voice of God? Are you following the legacy that he has for you? Are you telling the story he desires to tell? Listen to me. Many of us have told stories. One of the things that inspired me the most to take God serious is to try and go back to the history of my ancestors, my aunts and uncles, who wanted to tell a different story. I had an uncle who says, well, I'm going to become a senator. I'm going to become a wealthy politician. I'm going to retire in the French Riviera, the coastline, the beaches of France. Guess what? He died in a home, in a nursing home in Hialeah without a wife without children, without a story, without legacy, because that's vanity and pride. For you not to tell God's story that you want to tell another story is a tremendous craziness. The legacy God wants to tell is very powerful. It's very powerful. And we need to get back in tune. Psalm 139.16 says, You saw my unformed substance. When we were goo in our mom's womb, there was the beginning of what God had written in his books. Your eyes saw my substance being still without form. And in your book, they were all written every single day that you had fashioned. That word fashioned, my friend, is each little stroke of God's pen. Each little stroke of his portrait. That's your life. And you're getting off the easel to go and do some disastrous thing that only brings forth your glory. And your glory is shameful. Your glory is going to be shame like all these other people who have gotten off God's easel. And their story has been pitiful. 
When as of yet there were none of those days even existing. Can I tell you that today none of your future days existed, but there's a book that contains every single one of them according to God's will, according to you hearing his voice and obeying his command. There's a little problem here. We don't obey and we hate his commands. We walk in perfect rebellion. They tell him, go to the right. Yeah, but I really want to go to the left. Sit down. Well, I really want to stand up. Don't go there. Well, I really just want to go. And so we constantly live contrary. It means speaking against God. Instead of saying yes and amen. Yes and amen. Job 10.8 says like this, your hands shaped me and made me. Is that so that now you can destroy me? Do you guys think that God brought you into existence to make your life a joke? No, my friend, you have made your life a joke. You have turned the glory of God into deep shame and darkness. Only one reason. You haven't cleaned your ears and you haven't renewed your mind to say from this day forward, I'll do what God wants. I'm going to live his design. I'm going to be extreme. I want to see, and that's my motivation. None of my ancestors have done this. All my ancestors were, were super, whatever you want to call them, but they were twisted and off course with regards to the word of God. Not one of them ever gave me a Bible study. Not one of them gave me a Bible verse. And if we get back onto God's track, if we get back in line with his purpose, we're not going to be wandering in the desert. We're not going to be lost. He didn't create you. Your hands have made me and fashioned me an intricate unity. Everything fits perfectly, yet you're not going to destroy me. You didn't bring me into this place. He says, you're not going to destroy me after you brought me in. Job 14.5 says, man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of the months of his life and have set limits that he's not going to pass. You don't have a longer time frame than you suppose, my friend. You better get on his game plan. Because the, the clock is going to tick zero and it's over. You didn't have time to do everything you wanted. But if you do what he wants, he determined your last day. You're going to be able to say, guess what? My work is finished. I'm going on. You guys stay with what I left. And a lot of us have left things that are so embarrassing we can't even tell. So embarrassing. I ran into a friend of mine last night. And he says, I need to talk to you. Because my life has become shambles. I haven't seen you in a long time. But everything has fallen apart. Because there's something in man that says, I'm going to do it my way and it's going to be good. And the Bible says, no, it's not going to be good. There's a way that seems right to man, but it's in this death. You don't want to see what you see. You want to see what God sees. And God sees through the eyes of faith. And faith is listening to his word. And doing what he says, and you're hoping, you're saying, Lord, if I am faithful to listen to you, you will be faithful and to flourish things I have not seen, ears have not heard, hasn't even come into my heart, the things you prepared for me. If I just do what you want, and I, I quit, listen to me, I hate all the ideas. Get rid of the ideas. Flush them down the toilet like I do. Every morning you wake up with an idea, flush it down the toilet. Go to the word of God and meditate on it day and night. So you'll be a tree planted next to the rivers. Your leaf will not fall. Your fruit will not wither. You will prosper in everything you do when you line up to the word of God. Amen. When you're doing what the word of God says. Amen. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. 
I made you different than everybody else in the world. I appointed you with a calling to be a prophet to the nations. This call is for every human being. We need to listen to the call of God. We need to listen to the call of God. Every day is important. The Bible says one day is as a thousand years. If you miss three days, you're missing 3,000 years of your labor, of your work. Well, I had to go and, and do, listen to me. You've already had to go and do other things. Now do God. Give a different heritage to your family, to your future, to this world. You need to be consumed with his presence, consumed with his word, day and night. Day and night, and night and day, meditating on God. I don't have time for foolishness. I've told many people in this church, you got to go. You have to go, because I refuse to gather with fools. I'm not going to do it. If we wanted to start a campaign to get money going, we would sit there and bring clowns and balloons and candy and fill this place up. We're only interested in those interested to hear the voice of God. To hear their calling. To fulfill the pleasure of God. And I'm going to ask you to stay home. Stay home for real and stay home all the time. Don't come to the house of God. It's only open twice a week for God's sake. Twice a week. Sunday and Wednesday. Two days. Can't make it. And then Little League, three times a week. And your kids are going to follow Jose Canseco. And they're going to follow, uh, what's this guy, Alex Rod, A-Rod. They're going to follow the disgusting stories of those who forewent, forewent the will of God. Who despised the call of God for their life. We raise our children 20 years as Christians. Guess what? They hate church. They hate church. Are you kidding me? It's the glory of God. The church was founded by Jesus Christ. He says, I will build my church and the hell will have no chance to prevail against my church. This is a strong tower of God. This is where the word of God issues forth. It's God speaking to his people. You're not going to get that anywhere else. It's a house of God, a place of holiness, of respect, of honor. He says, I will honor those who honor me. Those of you that are walking contrary to the Spirit of God, you got to go. Go into hell. Go into your isolated, abandoned reality and fulfill the call of Satan on your life. But God demands us to take him serious. The beckoning of call. I'm sure if you got a phone call from the White House right now, the president wants to speak to you. You would not. Some of you wouldn't take the call, but... You would not stay away from the high call. You would not stay away. How dare you stay away from the call of God on your life, on your children? You're crazy. You're insane. Paul says somebody's bewitched you. The devil's in your life. Get him out. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. And give you thanks, O oh God, for your word, your, your zeal for us, O oh God. We talk about the horrific effects of abandonment, and yet we abandon your house and forsake the coming together weekly, every week, oh God. We decide there's something better to do, something better to, to live for. We're so lazy. We're so rebellious. We're so disobedient. We're so hard of hearing. Our heart has become so hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let your spirit fall on our hearts and our lives and transform us and let us raise up a legacy 
a world-changing legacy and story that there's no better place in all the world than the presence of God. To sit at the feet of Christ, to listen to his words, to be filled with the spirit of God and the fellowship of those who love you and serve you. And remove the wicked far from this place, oh God. Remove them, scatter them. You be lifted up and let your enemies be scattered. Let them fall in deserts and desolate and waste places, dry places. Where not even demons want to dwell. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would fill us with your presence and with a, a conviction, an inner feeling of turning towards you, oh God. Prosper us in your ways and let everything else dry up if we not consider your house as a place of refuge. Teach us the difference between being at a spring, drinking its fresh water, and being in a pit of tar in waste. Father, we pray, oh God, that you be exalted this morning. And we love you above all things and want to serve you, as the first commandment says, with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. Every treasure, every talent, all of our time dedicated to you, O oh God. Then we shall flourish. Then we shall be fruitful. Then we shall have peace. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to read one more verse in Psalm 137, verse 5. David knew.